Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I'm Chase, and it's our hope that the stories and tips you hear on this podcast inspire you to get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. On this week's episode, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Josh Rogers. I've known Josh for a long time, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a couple of years, and I finally got to sit down with him and chat about his turkey call company and everything else related to turkeys. Walt was unable to make it down for this episode, but don't worry. He'll be back on the next episode. I hope that everyone is having a great turkey season, and for those who are about to get started, I wish you the best of luck. Before we get to the episode, I'd like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. First, I'd like to thank the patrons of the show. We really appreciate each patron and enjoy the interaction we have with them in our Marco Polo group. If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, you can visit www.patreon.com forward slash chasing tales outdoors to find out more. We do quarterly giveaways for our members, and on next week's episode, we will announce the winner of the Trophy Ridge React 5 site we are giving away. Next, we would like to thank Tethered. Tethered is a company that specializes in saddle hunting and is ran by a great group of guys who want to share their love of saddle hunting with the rest of the world. If you'd like to find out more about Tethered, visit their website at tetherednation.com. That's all I've got for you, so let's dive into this week's episode with Josh Rogers, from Longbeard Life. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. Today, I am joined by a good friend of mine and co-worker. He's a firefighter by day, turkey call maker by night, Mr. Josh Rogers. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. Good. Well, how is your turkey season going so far? Uh, pretty good. Had a couple of them die in front of me, and uh, we've called in quite a few. So now we're kind of just focusing on getting my daughter one. So. Oh, wow. So. Well, that, that's got to be a little bit different, trying to get your daughter on one. It's a challenge. Um, yeah, I got, a, I got a few of them in front of her, but it's, uh, they just haven't worked out so far. But uh, she's having a good time, so she's, she's really enjoying it. So 10 years old, hopefully we'll get her one. Ten years old. Well, what kind of setup are you using for her shotgun and things like that? We got a uh, little Stoker 410, shooting some TSSs out of it. So it's pretty pretty deadly, about 35, 40 yards. I think we can pretty much rock one. 35, 40 yards. That that is pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it'll get out there. Um, it's amazing what they can do with some of these uh, 
these new rounds and things like that out of a 410. But uh, yeah, Awesome. That's, that's our goal, but I'm not going to let her shoot one that far, but it'll do it. Right. Daddy's done it, but she's not going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I've seen you post some pictures online of her, like, sitting in a chair, reading a book out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's a little bookworm, so we can uh, kind of just go out there, and she'll sit there and read a whole book the other day. Uh she uh, she finished one and she got a little bored, so we had to like, okay, you ready to pack it in? And she's like, yeah, let's pack it in. So we did right. that. So has she killed a turkey yet? Has she gotten her first turkey yet? No, she hasn't gotten her first one. So this will be. Hopefully, we'll get our own one. We've uh, we've had lots of close encounters over the the last couple of years. We've been going since she was probably about eight, but um, it just hasn't worked out. You know, just trying to get a kid on something. You know, we're not sitting in a ground blind. I'm making her do it. You know, we're we're sitting there on a tree. You know, kind of just sitting, waiting like we're supposed to. Right. I, I'd much rather her get the used to doing that because we're not hunting out of a ground blind. That's not what we do. So <laughs> I got you. I got you for sure. Well, what about your son? He's probably getting up there. Is he? He's just turned eight, so uh, probably next year will be when he gets to go. Um, we'll see how he wants to if he wants to do it or not. You know, she's all about it. She uh, she's my little hunting buddy. He uh, he's not quite into it yet, but I think that'll change. You know, once maturity hits a little bit more, he'll he'll be more into it. But yeah, he uh, he likes seeing them, likes eating them, but he's like, right. ah, he can't sit still long. That's the worst <laughs> part. We're we're about thirty minutes in. He'll go deer hunting with me, and he's about about thirty minutes. He's like getting antsy, so we gotta we gotta get up and find something else. And with him, you know, it's like, oh, we'll take the iPad because he ain't sitting there reading. He'll sit there and watch cartoons or something like that. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, my son's six, just turned six, and I know he's not ready to go out yeah. there. I'll take him out, kind of scouting and stuff, and it's just one of them things where he he doesn't want to be still even just scouting like yeah. he's like all right well where's the fun part what are we doing out right, here yeah. I, i'm bored I, i'm like okay cool it's like well you're not ready to turkey hunt yet yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. even in a ground blind like i said i've never really had a lot of luck just sitting stationary for birds yeah. myself or just sit I, I know he's not gonna sit there for an hour or two hours waiting for a bird to come in yeah so unless we get one roosted or something know for sure there's one close by then it's, yeah it's, it makes it hard especially with a lot of places we hunt they're small tracks uh you know, we, we kind of got to be right where they're at whenever they come in and getting on to me sitting in the ground blind. Uh, it just kind of takes away from it for, for me to have that, if, you know, to kind of know they're coming in there, but you know, they can get away with a lot more movement. I want them to get used to sitting there and having to be still and not, not be able to just kind of play around or whatever. I want them to get, you know, kind of like it's supposed to be like, like I do it. Right. I want to sit there and have to, if I got to be still, you got to be still. Kind of yeah, thing, so. exactly. Shoot. I, and there's times that I have a hard time staying still myself. So yeah, I yeah. know they got to be struggling yeah. uh, to stay still. Well, cool. Well, one of the reasons I brought you on here is you are a part of long beard life. Yep. yep. So can you tell everybody what long beard life is? So long beard life is a uh, custom call company. We build uh pot calls, mouth calls, pretty much uh, whatever you want. We make some really good mouth calls. Um, we've got, you know, four or five different, you know, ones that are real big sellers. Um, we do pretty good with them. Um, we do regular uh, custom calls. With, you know, I'll make pot calls, whatever kind of stuff you want. I can do photographs in them, uh, any kind of custom wood you want, strikers, all that good stuff. Pretty much anything you need for a pot call or a, uh, a mouth call, we can do it. So, okay. Yeah. Well, how did that, how did long beard life get started? So I actually, uh, got into it with a buddy of mine, um, two of my buddies, they're actually twin brothers. Um, their long beard life started, I believe is an apparel company with some other guys out of town. And, um, my buddy had the opportunity to buy the company and, uh, he's like, you know, do you want to go in with me? So I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So, uh, me, him and his brother ended up buying the company and, um, 
got away from the apparel side because there's a lot of overhead in apparel. So we're like, right. oh, we don't really want to do that. We want to focus on making calls, you know, building mouth calls, building pot calls, and stuff like that. So um, we kind of shifted gears with everything and changed up a whole bunch of stuff. And um, we've been running mouth calls and doing pretty good with it. You know, it's it's not – we're not going to – be a bone collector or anything like that but um we definitely um we definitely do pretty decent with selling calls and um you know our big thing is we just we got a couple that are really great and people love them and we just like having people kill turkeys using our calls right well well, how long has the company been around making calls uh the making calls part i think we've been this is uh we're somewhere in our fifth year i believe um yeah it's been been a couple years now so we've uh you know we go to nashville to nwtf and we kind of get our name out there a little bit we've had some you know a lot of good connections and things like that some big name people have uh used our calls we've got them you know right a couple of videos with some some people using our calls and things like that um but it's it's been a, a pretty fun experience and everything um you know mostly i focus on trying to uh run the internet side of things social media stuff like that so any of the social media posts and all that that's all pretty much done by me um the uh the call stuff we have a a good buddy of ours he uh he helps us out making mouth calls and things like that he's a you know a caller he he goes and does all the call shows and things like that so he's real good with that and he's been one of the designers of a lot of our calls um and then chad um and his brother travis you know both help build calls and things like that so it's a it's a big group group effort so we um We've been running with it. It's been been a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. Biggest thing for us is we'd like to get it to the point where our, you know, turkey call stuff pays for us to go on turkey hunts, right? Kind right. of thing. We don't we don't care about getting rich off of it, but we would like to be able to go turkey hunt places and things like that out of state, you know. So that's our ultimate goal. Okay. Well, talk to me about NWTF because you guys go up there every year. You have a booth up there every year. I've never been up there. I'd like to get up there at some point, especially with a podcast because there's a lot of big names that show up to NWTF. Uh, I think it would be uh, a real fun experience. So can you tell maybe the listeners like what type of experience you get at NWTF? Oh, man. If you like turkey hunting, it is the place to go. Um, Pretty much everybody that has anything – to do with turkey hunting is there all the big name people are there um every little call company i mean the the great thing is is that you can you know buy a booth there um it ain't cheap but you can buy a booth there and you can come and sell your calls and get your name out there and have people you know figure out who you are and stuff like that you you know some of the bigger people actually start sending people your way you know you can make a lot of connections that way but the uh the experience is great you just there's a lot going on you got the calling championships and stuff like that up there Tommy actually competes in those every time we go up there. So that's always fun to go get to watch him compete, you know, using our calls that he's built and things like that. Just the, the atmosphere is great. You know, you make a lot of uh, friendships. There's people that I've met there that uh, we see every year, year to year, and uh, we'll go out to dinner with them and things like that that we've only ever really hung out there. We, You know, they're from other states and things like that. We never knew them before. So it's it's a lot of fun. Um it's always at the Gaylord in Nashville, and right. that's a really cool place. You stay there, lot lots of stuff to do. So it's it's a it's a blast. We um, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, how long is it? How many days is the uh, so? Well, they um, it's usually um, for us. It's you know, like four days. You know, you have a day of moving and things like that. But for the regular person, uh, you know, for the show part, it's um, it's three days. It used to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they changed it this year, which actually I, I was not a fan of, but they changed it to um, 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we lost that Sunday, which was nice for the travel part, but the uh, the Thursday, there was not a whole lot of people there on Thursday because of, you know, I feel like a lot of people are, are working and things like that, so they're not taking off, but a lot more people take off on Friday or they're off on Fridays, things like that. So um, this year was different, but it was it was still good, but it was – the time change definitely definitely affected things up there, and you could tell it. So hopefully they'll figure it out and they'll uh, they'll change it back to doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. Can anybody get into the NWTF? Yeah, you got to go buy a ticket and stand in line. There's usually a big line, um, especially like you know Friday, Saturday. Those days are uh, really packed there. There'll be thousands and thousands of people there. It's a big deal. I mean, there's right. lots of people. I mean, the aisles will be packed with people. You know, sometimes we have. 15, 20 people standing at our booth, you know, and like a lot of times we'll have people come up there and want to visit and things like that. We're like, Hey man, we got to sell calls. We're <laughs> slinging, we're slinging calls over here, dude. So right. yeah, we'll uh, hit us up on social media. We'll talk to you later or something or come, you know, come out and have a drink with us, you know, later tonight. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time. It'll, it'll be a blast if you ever go. So, right. You know. Well, how many calls do you guys, do you sell a majority of your calls at that banquet or uh, a lot of our calls are sold there? Yeah. We'll, um, We'll usually go up there with a couple thousand, you know, mouth calls, and we'll we'll sell the majority of that up there. Um, but you know, for the most part, our online sales come from after after the show because it kind of kicks off before most people's season. So we'll do a lot of sales there. But internet sales is a big thing for us. But uh, up there's a, a definitely a good time. We sell a lot of pot calls up there because everybody will come by and they'll they'll run your call and then they'll walk off and go run you know 10 other people's calls and you might have you know four or five of those people come back and buy your stuff but there's there's such a large market up there you know it's it's like basically a indoor gigantic turkey hunting flea market i mean everybody's got some of the same stuff but you know it's it's all good everybody you know there's no like competition or anything kind of like that up there everybody's you know out to help each other and you know if they you know, this guy makes a different something than you have or whatever, you know, they're, they'll talk to you about it and things like that. And then, you know, they'll, you can send people their way if somebody's looking for it or whatever, you know, there's, there's a lot of smaller companies that'll build a different, you know, specialty kind of call or whatever. And if we don't do it, it's like, Hey man, go over here and talk to, you know, this guy over there and he'll, he'll hook you up. And the same thing, like, Oh, you know, I don't build mouth calls. I build only pot calls or only box calls. Go talk to those guys. They got really good mouth calls. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Everybody, you know, just all the call companies, all the outfitters and stuff like that really work together, and it's a blast. Right. Well, speaking of making calls, you made me a custom pot call. Yep, yep. So, which is a chasing tail special, first one that's ever been made that I know of, uh, at least for chasing tails. Um, I'll take a picture and post it on our uh, social media for everybody to see. Why don't you go into the process of making one of those, like, making my call what what goes into that so first i got to find out whatever kind of wood i'm going to use um a lot of stuff i build is out of cherry just because there's a lot of cherry readily available around here and i think it's really pretty and it sounds good but um that one actually is a piece of african mahogany that was um my wife's grandfather bought a lot of it and he had built a whole bunch of rocking chairs out of african mahogany well these are leftover pieces from that and um I had a couple pieces laying around, so I was like, oh, that'll be a, a pretty call. It's kind of fancy, things like that. And uh, so I, I found it, you know, got to gotta get all everything measured out right and put it on the lathe and, you know, cut it out. And uh, once you do that, it's it's where the fine-tuning comes in when actually hand-turning it with on a lathe with, you know, with the cutting sticks and stuff like that. So um, you got to have your measurements right. You can't If you go over, you know, your glass ain't going to fit right. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. 
um, as far as the fine details go. It's um, it's a it's a fun thing to do. It's real nice because I can just kind of go out into the garage and sit there and uh, you know just do my thing, put my music on, turn the lathe on, and and uh, just turn out a couple calls. And, you know, it's real ther- therapeutic, I guess. You know, just kind of a nice thing to sit and do. Okay, well, what's the time like for that? Like uh, each one, there's a lot of hours <laughs> kind of go into it because you know, it's not hard to turn it out. You know, each call, you could turn out a call in probably, you know, 15, 20 minutes from start to finish after you've got your wood blank. But the, uh, you know, polying it and sanding it and getting it everything, you know. Uh, to me, I like to leave a lot of rough finish on a bunch of them, especially like it's old rough cut wood that comes out of like an old barn or something like that or anything. I like to leave a rough finish. But um, if I got to polish it down, somebody wants a shiny call, there's quite a bit of sanding goes into it, so you got to get that just right. You got to use, you know, I use five different sandpapers to get everything down to where I want it to, and then you got to start your poly process after you clean it up. Then you got to drill out all your holes and get your stuff like that done. Poly it, poly it, poly it. I mean, just lots of lots of finish goes onto it uh, to get it shiny, and then if if that's what you want is a shiny call, and then. Uh, Gluing soundboards, each soundboard, I glue them. I let them sit for at least 24 hours before I'll put the actual tops on them or anything like that. So everything's got, you know, hours of sitting in there as well as the actual hands-on time. So every call takes a couple, you know, I would say at least three days on a call just because I like to let things sit and the glue to harden before I'll do anything else. Okay. Now, do you guys make just a standard pot call as well that you have? Or Or do we do anything from – Mild to wild, whatever you want. <laughs> um, so it, we, everything, if it's hand turned, especially by me, it's going to have a different shape. Um, I can be consistent with pretty much anything and, and stamp out a whole bunch. But to me, that's, you know, it's not original. It's not, you know, a custom call if right. you, everything is stamped out. Now, we do have some uh, CNC pots that we've done that uh, we've actually got a, a guy. He gets them from the Amish uh, woodworker, and okay. they actually – crazy i would never thought the amish had these big giant cnc machines but apparently they uh they've they've moved on in the technological world and uh so anyhow we we have some of those that we'll sell you know cheaper to just the regular consumer kind of like a startup kit kind of thing but the uh, custom ones we uh they're all individual unique you know for the most part i kind of if somebody wants some lines in it or, you know, oh, i got a smaller hand, you know, kind of thing like that. So I'll taper things to fit people's hands better and stuff like that. So, And woods, woods, there's so many different kinds of woods that do different right. things. Um, I did one the other day out of a piece of uh, olive buckeye burl, and it's really pretty wood. I actually posted it on our uh, our Instagram the other day. It's beautiful wood, terrible to turn. Like there's so many knots and holes in it and things like that, that like it just constantly wanted to blow apart on me. So that call actually took hours more than it should have because I had to turn it down, you know, on the lathe a lot slower. I had to glue things and clamp things and hold stuff overnight, you know, kind of stuff. It was, it was definitely a challenging call, but it turned out beautiful. And the customer who, you know, he kind of, he commissioned it. He's like, I mean, if you could do it, do it. If not, you know, I understand I was like, well, I got it done, and uh, he got it, and he loves it. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful call. I actually had several people comment and, and message me on there, and were like, hey, man, can you build this call for me, the same one? I'm like, I can't build the same one for you, but I can build something similar to it. Right. But I don't want to. Like, <laughs> you have no idea how much of a pain this actually is, but I can do whatever you want. So Okay, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, talk to me about the mouth call side. Uh, mouth calls, um, 
I'm terrible at them, but uh, we got some really good mouth calls. They uh, anybody can run them. If I can run it, you can run it. And uh, one of the things we'll actually do is when we're at the NWTF show, people come by and we ask them, "Hey, do you run a mouth call?" But like, yeah, you know, we run a mouth call. Like, cool, you know. Tell you what, try this one. If you don't like it, you know, spit it in the trash and you don't have to buy it. But if you like it, you know, throw me that $10 bill. Right. But uh, we've only had one person ever. He was a crotchety old man that uh, he threw <laughs> our call out, which apparently he couldn't run a mouth call to begin with, but he right. just said he did. But uh, we, we've done that with thousands of people that have come through there, and everybody buys a call every time except for one old man. Right. <laughs> so well, that's, that's pretty good. That's yeah. a pretty good percentage of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the most everybody's like, yeah, that actually, and they, you know, you don't have to be great at it. You just, you know, they're, they're really easy. Um, ours don't take a whole lot of air. That's the biggest thing is, you know, we're not in the best of shape, but, uh, so, right. so we, uh, you know, running and gunning and things like that, when you're running, you know, doing that and you go to start trying to use your mouth call, you're half out of breath because you just ran across a hundred yards and, you know, to try and get in front of this bird, you know, you don't want to be blowing as hard as you can trying to make this call work. So ours are, are real easy to run. Um, we've got, you know, different, different styles, different cuts. We've got some pretty unique cuts to us and then some basic stuff that, you know, kind of everybody has their own, you know, own cut, you know, we have uh, just like a bat wing cut and we have, you know, ghost cut, stuff like that, you know, that right. everybody has one. Ours are stretched a little differently. So everybody, you know, kind of does their own thing a little different but our, our standard calls are really really great to have um our top top two sellers that we have are the uh they're called one is called the pineapple express it's a green call <laughs> it has a, a strange look the it gets its name from the cut actually looks like the the top of a pineapple kind of right. like the leafy part um but it our joke is it's that you know that good good like the <laughs> everybody wants that pineapple express right so uh so you know that's that's one that is a top seller for us and then we have a uh another one that uh it's called barely legal and uh it's it's deadly a lot of people really like that one and it's just a combo cut but uh our stretch on it's right and it it, it kills a lot of birds a lot of a lot of people comment and, and tell us you know hey we love this call and uh, i have a guy that he'll every year he'll buy 15 calls like, holy cow yeah at a time he's like hey, i need i need 15 of them you know, and, and a lot of times he's giving them out and things like that. But yeah, they uh, he he loves them. So this year he bought a whole bunch of pineapple expresses. He's like, hey, I need 15, 15 of these calls and 10 of these calls and 10 of these calls. Like he's like, I, I give them away, but I love your stuff. So it's like, cool, man. Well, that's good. Yeah, keep on coming. <laughs> you know, those are the best kind yeah, of exactly. uh, customers to have. Yeah. Do you guys have? What would you recommend for somebody who's just getting in to maybe trying to switch over to a mouth call? Do y'all have like just a uh, like a two read mouth call. Uh, most all of our calls are three reads. Um, we can do two reads and stuff, but um, our three reads are really great. Um, we have one called the Chain Smoker, which is a great all around call. Um, it's kind of raspy. <laughs> so yeah, hence the name. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that you know sounds like an old old uh, waitress at a truck stop. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but she uh, she's a killer. But um, yeah. It's a really great one to have. It uh, it's pretty easy to run. Um, like I said, most all of them are really easy. But the um, that one's a good one for a beginner for us. Like I said, it doesn't take a whole lot of air. So a lot of people that you know they don't really know what to put into it. So if you just give a little bit of air, it starts making sound, and then you kind of can adjust from there. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's been a good one for us. Right. The, um, but yeah, I mean, we, pretty much any of them we can. Uh, 
you know, somebody's like, oh, I, I do this or I do that. Okay, cool. You know, you're trying to figure out which side of the, their mouth they run a call on, things like that. A lot of people don't know whether they run a call on their left or right side. That's one of the things like, oh, I never knew that I, you know, pushed it more to one side than the other. So, like right. me, um, I, I run – we have a, a combo cut and reverse combo cut are barely legal. And then the other one is our high maintenance it's called high maintenance. It's a red call. It's real pretty looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I run it on the other side of my mouth. It runs better. I can do different things than I can do with the other one. I don't even use the other one because this one is the exact same, just opposite. So, you know, you kind of can cater to people kind of figure out what they do, how, how, how it works for them and then try and sell them the right call. But, um, for the most part, everything is, uh, you know, like I said, they all, all can run from little kids on up. Okay. Calls. Right. Now, which one's your favorite? My favorite, I would have to say, is probably the high maintenance or the chain smoker. Like I said, chain smoker is just all around, just easy call to run. The the high maintenance is the reverse of the uh, it's a reverse combo cut, and it's it just fits me better than the other ones. Um, a lot of people really like that pineapple. It's one that I I use it every now and then. Um, it's a little higher pitched. Um, it's got a lot of rasp, but it's got you know kind of a high pitch rasp. But I, you know, to me, the other two are my, my two personal favorites. Um, and that's the thing is like everybody, like for the most part is always about the, the chain smoker, the pineapple express or the, the, uh, barely legal. And then I'm like, man, the, these other ones, like you guys got to try those out there. Like, oh, yeah. But then you got these people that are like, I can't use any of those. And those are the ones that I like that will be the same ones I like. So it's like, Oh, okay. So. You know, everybody's different. They like yeah. to hear different things. So everybody's got a different mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some people have high palates. You know, our uh, our tape cutter and everything cuts right, so you, you don't have all that extra bulky tape and stuff in there. But it gives you enough that if you do kind of have a high palate from all those uh, thumb suckers from back in the day, right? Kind of uh, kind of helps seal it up a little bit better. So. Oh yeah, yeah. My my father in law, he's been hunting turkeys for years and years and years. And all he'll use is a pot call. Mm-hmm. He's tried mouth calls. I guess maybe just he says his gag reflex can't oh, take them. Yeah, some people can't. I, we actually watched a guy up in Nashville. We're like, hey, we did the little challenge with him. He's like, I, I can't run him. We're like, hey, man, don't worry about it. If you can't run this call, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this guy legit, he went to open his mouth and put the thing on his tongue. As soon as it touched his tongue, he started gagging. Right. And we had, you know, the, the booth next to us with some people that we'd made friends with or call people, and they, they were cracking up at us trying to get this guy to run this call. And every time it would touch his tongue, he would start gagging. And he wow. almost threw up right there, like, trying to <laughs> like, bro. <laughs> there's something wrong you just just stick to a pot call yeah like, exactly good news is we have one of those we can sell you too. right yeah yeah <laughs> so. i've seen him try like he's bought uh, mouth calls over the years some that say oh for gag reflex like they they have all these advertisements for him and like he yeah. put it in his mouth and it's just it's yeah. just nothing coming out yeah. like he just can't get it to seal through the top of his mouth or anything yeah. like that so he just uh, strictly stays with that and it works for him yeah so hey, a lot of a lot of uh, people don't run a mouth call uh you know, most of the people that I know that are older are a, uh, they like a, a nice pot call and they'll sit there, something that, you know, like a slate that they'll sit there and they'll just do little light purrs and clucks and mm-hmm. they kill birds like that. You know, you sit there long enough, you probably will, but that's, that's their thing is just, you know, light right. purrs and clucks and, uh, it works great for them and, you know, they never run a mouth call in their life. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people don't just sit there like us, you know, like to get up and run and gun. It's nice to be able to stand up and not have to chase that pot call out of your vest or, you know, whatever you can just, you know, use your mouth and, and call one out. Cause it's easy just to keep it right there. So it's, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the mouth calls are nice, especially when they're getting in close because yeah. you want to limit the movement. It seems like the turkeys here, man, they can spot you from oh, a mile. Just, just the most minuscule bit of movement. Yeah. Maybe you blink your eyes wrong or something. Oh, I believe 100% they can see you blinking your eyes. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely think the mouth call helps kind of close the deal sometimes. Yeah. But like you said, they, they make those little push calls. They make kind of – some calls I think they even make where you can kind of put them on your shotgun, maybe the little push call. I've or seen you little push calls on your shotgun, stuff Put them like on that. the shotgun. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people run that. Um, that's a little fancy for me. That <laughs> works. Now, have you guys ever thought about branching out to maybe making locator calls or uh, yeah, box we have. calls? Yeah, that's actually something that uh, me and Travis have talked about quite a bit is uh, maybe getting into turning some different stuff. Um, I'm actually going to look into doing some, you know – you know, different things like some, some owl calls, some crow calls, things like that. Stuff that I can, especially like the crow calls that I can turn out on the lathe. Um, kind of want to move into some duck calls, things like that. Get, okay. Get more into a um, a game call as opposed to just turkey calls because it's very um, season limiting. Yeah. You know, but if you're doing duck calls, things like that, you have multiple seasons. Um, you know, a lot of people, some people use uh, – mouth calls for elk and things like that so we mm -hmm. have a great mouth call press um that yeah we can, we can try all that stuff on so that's something we're going to look into um here in the future like i said we've we've primarily focused on just trying to get turkey calls out there so we can pay for our turkey hunting um so but we want to kind of move into some different stuff and see if we can't you know branch into some different little markets and things like that yeah that makes so. sense because like i've always kind of thought of that is that you're kind of just limited to maybe people probably would start buying them maybe in February-ish or January, yeah, yeah, prepping usually, for March down here in Florida, and then it'll yep. kind of go on through May probably. Yep, yep. We'll uh, we'll continue on into May, just the very beginning of that, and uh, that's that's kind of the end of it for us, which is nice for us because, right. you know, we, we, we love turkey hunting, and we don't want to be, you know, going <laughs> – this time of the year is great because Nashville is one of those things. We go up there and we sell a lot of calls up there, and then we have a big push of uh, internet sales down here. And then, like, once the season kind of opens up, people have already bought their stuff up. So it allows us to have time to go turkey hunt, which is our primary thing that we want to do, right. and uh, do that. And then once turkey season's over, we move into deer hunting, which is our second favorite thing to do. Right. And, uh, and me and, you know, Chad and Travis, that's we, we hunt together pretty much all the time. We turkey hunt together we deer hunt together we fish you know all that stuff we do pretty much all that the three of us kind of run the, the outdoor world that way so right we're always one of us is there the other two are probably there somewhere close by you know especially with our deer hunting and stuff like that so um you know it's 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 been a lot of fun we'll uh we want to branch into some different stuff but we don't want to get too crazy that it takes away from us enjoying what we do you know kind of thing right so Okay, well, I think we've we've kind of covered the calls enough. Why don't we talk about your turkey hunting style? <laughs> My turkey hunting style, <laughs> I don't know that I, you'd call it style, but uh, I get out there and uh, we, we kind of just, it's a mess. It, sometimes it goes together, though. You know, we, we kill quite a few birds, but uh, it's uh, it's never pretty. You know, we some days you'll have those, you know, five-minute hunts where you go out there and you sit down and you call and, bam, there's a turkey there. And then some days we'll work a bird or we won't hear a bird. It's, uh, it's, it's never the same, but it's always an adventure. But that's what keeps us coming back every time, you know. Right. If every time you went out there and you killed a bird in five minutes, you know, especially with us having a you know, two-bird limit, it's, it's not that much fun, you know. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, it's, it's good to get, you know, skunked. Um, me and Chad, we have a joke, you know, because we go to the club that, uh, that I run over in Gainesville. And um, me and him, I don't think of – well, I guess this year is be the first year we've actually killed a turkey together out there. We've been out there. I've had that place for probably the last 10, 11 years, and uh, 
this year is the first year that the two of us together were able to kill a turkey out there. Like, okay. we'd go out there and call, and, you know, we'd have turkeys close and uh, never can seal the deal. I'll go back the next day, and I'll kill a turkey. But with us together, we cannot seem to do it. This year we finally broke the ice, but we didn't give up on this turkey either. Like, it was a midday, you know, we'd hunted all morning, didn't hear anything, left out. And uh, talked to some of the guys at the gate, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we heard some birds over here. So we're like, well, let's go shoot over this way and see if we can't give it a try. Got back over there, and uh, we were able to, you know, get him to shot gobble for us down in the creek. And we set up, and we probably moved 15 different times trying to get on this bird who stayed in his strut zone that was 20 feet long. He wow. stayed behind this one spot for probably three hours, gobbling his head off, strutting his little butt off. And uh, he would not move more than 20 feet, you know, behind this palmetto head. He just stayed there strutting the whole time. And uh, finally we were able to sneak up on the other side of it, and he m made a mistake and stepped 21 feet the, <laughs> the last time, and I was able to get a shot on him. But uh, it, it wasn't pretty. I wasn't even sitting down. I was standing up, leaning up against the tree. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we were able to get on him. So, like I said, every, our hunting style is uh, – Killing turkeys, we, we right. do whatever we got to do. Whatever it takes. Yeah, we got to do whatever it takes, <laughs> and uh, it's it's always an adventure. That's the, the biggest thing for us. It's every time is an adventure. Um, so, it's it's one of those things that I really enjoy because you do get to experience that a lot of times with somebody else. You know, it's not it's not like deer hunting where you're sitting there unless you know you're filming or something like that where you're sitting with somebody else and you can sit there and talk and things like that. Like this, we actually can sit there and kind of talk a little bit and kind of come up with game plans and. You know, you get the experience, and you're right there whenever something happens. So it's a lot more fun. Um, we we enjoy it a lot. Yeah, we've talked about that on the podcast before about getting new people into hunting, and that's mm -hmm. probably or turkey hunting is probably one of the best ways you can do yeah, that. Absolutely, because absolutely. you have not only are you you can hunt with somebody, you got interaction between yourself, and then you got interaction between you and the animal. A lot right. of times with like deer hunting and stuff, you're yeah. you're sitting in a tree for hours on end. Yeah, you may have no interaction with them. Whereas a turkey. In the morning time, a lot of times he's letting you know where he's at. Yeah. He's already seen, he's like, hey, I'm over here. Yeah. Or whenever he gets on the ground, you can tell if he's coming in or he's hung up or mm -hmm. whatnot. And uh, I think taking somebody out there and them hearing that first, all it takes is that first gobble for them to hear to mm -hmm. get them excited uh, about turkey hunting, whether they kill anything or not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's just, uh, like I said, I've always, I just love going out and hearing them gobble. I yeah. mean, I, li I like killing them too, yeah. but I, if they're, if they're out there gobbling and doing their thing and stuff like that, it, it makes it so much more enjoyable to yeah. me. And it's just a way to maybe get, cause from things that I've heard, I mean, some people don't believe it, but technically the hunting numbers are going down. And I think a lot of that mainly, mainly is because of like baby boomers and stuff are getting too old where they're not going out anymore or they yeah. don't even have to buy licenses anymore. So yeah, it's difficult to say, but I just, I believe it's just a great way to get people out in the woods. The weather's good Yep. this time of year. You're not freezing cold, especially down here in Florida. Yeah. It yeah. actually may be a little warm sometimes. Uh, it's been pretty good this year though. Yeah, it's I, been I, nice this year. The, you know, haven't had too many, uh, too many super hot days yet. We actually had a few days where I was able to wear my hoodie, you know, right. kinda like, and, and wear it for most of the morning, you know, until you step out into the sun, you know, when you're hunting down in the, in the creek bottoms and the swamps and things like that, it's a little easier to keep it on all day. You step out there in that sun and it, oh, it'll yeah. bake you a little bit, but it, it's been pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had some real great days here. Yeah. It seems like where it's, it's kind of stayed cool mm -hmm. most of the day. It's just getting the, the turkeys to uh, cooperate. Yeah. Well, what do you do before the season? Like, do you, do you have any preseason scouting that you do for turkeys? Yeah, I'll scout a good bit. You know, um, 
my big thing is, you know, I've, I've run cameras pretty much all year. You know, I keep my deer cameras up, and I'll kind of, for the most part, I have most of my deer spots have turkeys in them. You know, usually right. food plots and things like that, roads that uh, that lead into different areas. You know, so a lot of times I'll I'll run those cameras, and it's it's kind of nice having the cell cameras. I can kind of check all those without having to actually step foot in the woods and bust anything up. So I do that. I have a few pieces of property that I've I've you know had for several years that um that we own that we kind of manage. You know, different you know, food plots and, you know, feed programs and things like that. And, uh, it kind of keeps, keeps the turkeys and things in there. Um, so that's, that's one of the cool things is having the same stuff every year, you know, have, you'll, you'll see some birds that were jakes that, you know, next year come back in the same group and you'll have, you know, a couple two year olds. And then, you know, cause for the most part, those birds that are in those places, we end up not killing a whole lot of those, you know, maybe right. one or two trying to get, you know, one of the guy's kids on them or something like that. But, um, yeah, we do a lot of lot of scouting, a lot of lot of glassing. Go sit fields and power lines and things like that and glass them. But um, yeah, biggest thing is you know getting out there and trying to roost a couple of them. You know, here where they're where they're roosting up and things like that. So after being on a piece of property for so long, you kind of get an idea where those turkeys are going to be at. Um, you know, for the most part, I know like at our club. There's always going to be two or three that are going to roost up on the edge of the creek, you know, by the short pines, and you can go pretty much every evening and see them fly up or hear them fly up, and you can go sit one of the food plots on the edge of that or something, and you're going to have a turkey hopefully get, you know, pretty close to you. Um, there's always that chance that they decide to do the complete opposite and fly into the neighbor's property. Right. But, uh, you know, for the most part, if you put in enough time scouting them and, and knowing what they do, you know, especially during the off season, you know, trying to trying to figure out where they're going to roost and things like that, you'll you'll – your chances of success are going to go up a whole lot. Right. Well, you mentioned something that uh, we've kind of talked about on the podcast before, and that is using cell cams. Mm -hmm. So there's been, I don't know necessarily there's a debate, but kind of cell cams for turkeys. Right. I feel like that that could really maybe uh, help your success probably. Oh, absolutely. um, Because technically you could just be getting live information if a turkey steps in front of that camera and Mm -hmm. you have it, because cell cams work kind of where you can get pictures once a day, twice a day, or just every time it takes a pic, yep. which wastes the battery a lot more. Right. But you, you can do that. Yeah. So have you ever had that where you got a cell cam pic of a turkey? Uh, I have, and try, but trying to get to those locations where that's at without spooking that turkey is for most of those areas that I have those cameras at is dang near impossible without you know them seeing you coming from a mile away. Right. But uh, it is nice to be able to, you know, okay – there was a bird over here this afternoon. Let's try and go get set up in this area and, and see if we can't call it to us, you know, um, like hunting, hunting right on the food plots and stuff. Like most of the time, our, our best hunting is midday hunting. I, I like from pretty much from like 1030 till two o'clock, you know, okay. kind of thing, you know, kind of catch that area. That seems to be when we have the most success out of turkeys. A lot of times they've already hit the ground and they're in those spots where those cameras and stuff are so you can't just walk in on top of them so you got to set up a road you know away and try and call them off of that area that they're very comfortable with right you know, their strut zone where they're where they're hanging out we got a lot of spots where you know that are real sandy roads that the the uh, hens like to go and dust in these these spots so they'll bust you from a mile away you know right. as soon as you step out and look down that road bam they see you they take off running so you got to you know can't get right on these spots most of the time but it, it is nice knowing that okay there is a bird somewhere close by here and he was here you know four or five hours ago maybe you know we can get in here and try and cut them off and see if we can't get on one you know big thing for me is inventory i like keeping them for just inventory yeah you know knowing what i got there um trying to find out 
if the neighbor killed, you know, one or two of them, you know, or I, the club that I got, I have the same, you know, 10 people in there every year. So for the most part, it's like, hey, you know, if you guys kill a turkey, you know, let me know what, you know, where you killed it at and all that stuff. So we have an idea how many turkeys we kill and, um, you know, what turkey it was kind of thing. You know, we got some, you can kind of tell some of the different birds. You know, a lot of times you'll have, you know, little two-year-olds and stuff like that, but we got some, some birds that will get some age on them and things like that. We've got a few. They have a, a um, management program, like on the few properties over for the uh, the state where they uh, have banded birds and things like that. So mm-hmm. we've had a few banded birds. So like, hey, if you kill one of the banded birds, let me know. You know, that's, right. that's a cool thing, you know. Uh, some of them have little backpack trackers on them and stuff, so it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you know. So we want to kind of keep an idea who's who's killing what and what what's going on, and just seeing them, having pictures of them strutting when you might not necessarily be able to to get on them. Having that that picture of that bird standing there strutting, knowing what he's doing at what time of the day, kind of thing, gives you an idea. Like, okay, so here's a game plan we'll come up with, kind of use it for that. So same thing you do with deer hunting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I, I just know, I mean, you're always going to have like your purist out there, yeah. but they also expect you to be hunting with uh, probably a muzzle loading shotgun or, or something, yeah. something weird like that. So yeah. it, it doesn't bother me. I just, there, I, I've seen where there's been debates before where it's like, oh, cell cams for turkeys. And then yeah. that kind of like cheating. I was like, well, not necessarily. Just because you know the birds there doesn't mean you can get there. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, I can go hunt that spot whether I have a camera on it or not. I have a feeling, you know, from having most of these properties for multiple years of actually knowing that, okay, there's going to be a bird there. Right. So whether or not there's a camera telling me there's a bird there or not, you know, it's not really a, a big thing. Um, it's just nice to, okay, yeah, there was a bird there today. Or if you, if you get a picture and, hey, it's in there, okay, well, we're not going to go walk in there and bust it out of there, you know, kind of thing. We might go move somewhere else or we'll, you know, we won't walk into that spot, you know, to, to mess with them, kind of get them, you know, trained to know that, okay, there's these people that might come in here kind of thing. So turkeys are really dumb, but they're also really smart in my opinion. They, uh, they can kind of learn, you know, people are coming in here. Okay. I'm going to move off and not, not come around here anymore. Kind of, right. thing, you know, to me, it doesn't matter. However you got to kill them, you got to kill them. As long as it's a legal method, I'm I'm good with it. If they yeah. said, okay, killing turkeys with a slingshot was okay, well, guess what? I'm gonna buy me a slingshot <laughs> tomorrow. I'm gonna try it. Right. You know. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. That 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 makes sense. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I just figured I'd ask you since you mentioned that you were running the the cell cams. Yeah. Mostly um, it's lazy because I don't like to go ride around the woods and take them all out. I just leave them in there until the batteries die. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just nice happening, especially it's, for deer hunting. Oh I mean, my gosh. if you don't have to go bust in an area and leave your scent. It's great all for that deer stuff. hunting. So, I know, like, I can kind of keep an idea, like, you know, we, we're allowed to feed down here. So, I can kind of keep an idea of uh, if I got corn in there or not, you know, if I need to go change out stuff or, or you know, what's been going on. I've caught a lot of people when uh, – one time we had, I caught 200 bicyclists running right through my spot. <laughs> wow. So it's like, what the heck? Well, they decided that they were going to make this road race in town and, uh, they decided, Oh, well, you know, there's property here that's a straight road on it. We can drive through there if we want to, <laughs> Never mind all these no trespassing signs and stuff like right. that. So like, I would have never known that to be able to fix that from them doing it again. If I hadn't had a camera in there, you know, taking pictures and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know. you've had, I've seen pictures of like homeless people, oh, all, I've ca- had all kinds so, of oh, weird man, I've had so many homeless people out there cars riding around that like what is this how did they even get here like i couldn't even get there in my four-wheel drive truck and here's this ford taurus over here driving through the woods so like just crazy stuff but uh, it's nice having them out there for that kind of thing um like you said deer hunting i can really pattern my deer kind of thing um it really screws me at the early part of the season because my daughter loves softball and she plays softball so uh 
I've, most of the time I've gotten most of my daylight deer pictures while I'm sitting behind home plate watching her <laughs> pitch. And uh, I got to, you know, for us, I'm 120, 130-inch buck is a giant deer for Florida. Oh, yeah. And uh, you got those walking through the food plot at, you know, 830 in the morning, broad daylight, and you're sitting behind home plate. You're like, crap. I wish I didn't have this camera right now. <laughs> right. Now, now I want to be there. Yeah, you know, true. So. Yeah, they they definitely help. Unfortunately, like in one of the places that I hunt, they I just can't get them to work there. Like the signal's not strong right, enough, yeah. and it just won't sit. It's like the place I want them the most, I can't get a cell cam to yeah. work in there. Hey, I've got I've only got one, mm. and I just put it in a place where I got signal. Yeah, on, on one of my places, and the rest of them I just run your yeah. standard trail camera. Yeah, but, I like them on the smaller properties we have. Um, I usually set them up for uh, you know deer hunting for that is really great because I can kind of set it to every picture every time it takes a picture. So in the morning times about, you know, 45 minutes before I get to the woods, I'll turn it to that. That way, if there's a deer standing in there and, you know, I don't want to go in and spook them. So right. I'll, I'll turn that camera on. And if there's a, it takes a picture of a buck standing there, I'm not going to walk in there. I'm going to, you know, set up something different. And a lot of times I'll be, you know, able to mobile hunt, you know, I won't necessarily walk to the stand. I'll be carrying a climber or something like that. And somebody, okay, well over here's a picture I'm going to set up, you know, 7,500 yards this way and try and you know, get on this deer without walking into that spot where I would typically hunt at and try and catch him going back to his bedding area or feeding area or whatever. So I like him for that. It's, it's, it's a tool in the toolbox, you know, yeah. I don't rely on them, but it is a tool in the toolbox for sure. Yep. So no doubt. Well, are you the kind of guy that likes to use decoys on your turkey hunts or opposed I, to them? I know some guys, they, they it all depends. don't like decoys. Some guys only <laughs> like to run a Jake. What's yeah. your setup in the morning time? It, man, it, it's like I said, our style is uh, it's it's a train wreck. We it all depends, you know. It, if we're hunting like an open area, we might set out some decoys and um, try and do that. We don't we don't run like a big old flock. We don't put strutters out. Um, I'm a big fan of DSD decoys, um, the Dave Smiths. Yep. Uh, beautiful decoys. They hold up really well, and uh, I've had a lot of success with the um, their uh, submissive Jake that they have. He's kind of got his head tucked back. Um, that's a stamp right there of approval on that, guy. <laughs> that I've watched a lot of turkeys fight that. Um, and it's nice for that, especially with like kids getting them to come in a little closer. I really enjoy that. Um, but we don't always run them. Um, a lot of times we'll run, we'll carry that decoy and we'll carry like a hen, you know, like a feeding hen and we may or may not put it out. It's just kind of situational dependent. Right. If we're hunting in the creeks and, you know, up in the swampy areas, um, we might just throw a hen out there just kind of, you know, give them something to kind of look at and see and maybe get a little closer to them. But uh, most of the time, you know, we're not, we're not putting them out every time. A lot of time, a lot more times than not, we, we don't have them out there. It, it's all, like I said, it's all situational dependent. So just, just run and gun. Run, we yeah. run and gun. Depends on to. how you feel that morning. Yeah. If, you know, if we're going in the afternoons and we're setting up on a spot that, you know, like a field edge or something like that, that we, we got, you know, nice little wooded areas like some hay bales for backdrops or whatnot, you know, we're sitting up on. We might set the decoys out there in front of us and see if we can't get one to, to come out and, and come over and play. But, you know, in the woods, we don't always have one set out. So it's it's all, it's all you know, situational dependent. Right. So. Well, you mentioned earlier that you like hunting at like 10 a.m., 2 p.m.-ish mm-hmm. time. What What's so special about that time? Uh, to me, the birds are kind of like, uh, to me, it seems like for our area, they've they've come, they've flown down, and they've fed a little bit. 
they found them a hen or two, you know, done their thing, and they're kind of in that looking mode. They're they're looking for something. So, you know, that that to me is a good time when they're out. They're actually more likely to move off of a hen, you know, or off of a group of, you know, other birds and stuff and, and come over and come to your decoy or to your call. And uh, it just, it's, to me, it's a better time. I, I don't know. We we always go early in the morning. We'll sit there, and a lot of times we kill birds, but a lot of times we don't, and we'll just be like, okay, cool, you know, it's 8.30, 9 o'clock. Let's go get some breakfast or something and then come back and we'll we'll hunt, or, hunt in the golden hour kind of thing, you know, right. middle of the day. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of success that way, you know. So I can't say what it is. It's just that's that's one of our favorite times to do it. So. Okay. So just no other reason than just being out in the woods and just having success. Having success at that time, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's just one of those things. You, you do it enough and you kill enough at this time. It's great because a lot of times we'll be like, screw it. We ain't getting up out of bed that early. We'll, right. We'll, we'll sleep in today, and then, <laughs> you know, especially if the day before we hunted hard and we walked everywhere and uh, didn't kill anything. You know, we might – we might for sure be like, oh, let's sleep in today, and then we'll we'll do it that way. So yeah, well, and it and it works good for our schedule. Oh, absolutely, getting yeah. off at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I get off at eight. I don't have to have anybody come in, and and so that could be one of the biggest things. Is you know that's kind of how I've hunted for a long time. You know, so we uh, we kind of just run it that way, and it, it works out really good. So gotcha. I think I think for the most part, you can kill a turkey pretty much any time of the day if you put enough work into it, but. That seems to be the when they're the most cooperative to us, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I've like I said, I've killed them in the morning, midday. I've I've actually had quite a bit of success in the evening time, just mm-hmm. getting in between them and their roosting areas, yep. calling to them and having them come in right right there at the yep. end. Yep. Or it's more of just kind of like an ambush, like you yep. know they're coming. You know in they're going to roost in this area. If you've been there enough, you know they're kind of yeah. going to. Oh yeah, they're going to roost over here in one of these big oak trees along this creek or something. You know, like yeah, okay, get in between that, and you're going to probably kill a turkey or you know have a good shot at it. Right. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I find that usually in the evening they don't gobble as much. Like, yeah. but sometimes I've had them out there where they're gobbling their heads off. Yeah. In in the evening time, coming into a setup. Yep. So I, I guess it's just bird dependent. Yeah. Then one day you'll have birds hollering at you, and the next day they won't make a peep. You know, it's weather, the bird, whatever they feel like doing. You can't ever tell. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like women. You can't tell. <laughs> yeah, <thing>. exactly. <laughs> I wish I could get in the mind of this thing right here. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a lot easier if I yeah. knew if he, what he was going to do every day. Yeah, but again, like that's what makes it fun and, and challenging is that you don't know what's going to happen day to day. They, you know, one day may be totally different than the than the next. So. Yeah, uh, to me, it's kind of all about the process, mm-hmm. especially for. I like it more kind of for deer hunting, like putting the pieces of the puzzle together uh, to get on. I, I almost enjoy that more than actual, like the kill itself. Just, oh, just yeah. like, okay, I've got this huge buck. Mm-hmm. This is what I think he's doing. And then finally getting set up and then you actually end up taking the deer to me. It, it's all about that process. Yeah. And turkey hunting's kind of the same way. You're like, yep. Oh, I know they're, they've been roosting over here. This is what they've been doing every day. Okay. I, I've done this maybe I need to try this or maybe I need to set up somewhere else. Um, that, that's all fun. That's all part of the game. Yep. Yeah. The prep work is to me the best part. I, I don't, I don't necessarily care if I killed the biggest, you know, buck or the biggest target. You know, to me, it's the, the experience of getting out there and doing it. You know, I like, I like going out and working on my tractor, 
planting food plots, mowing roads, you know, trimming limbs, all that, all the stuff that goes into it, especially during, you know, here during the summer. Like, I get bear caught all the time because, like, you're out there, <laughs> you know, working your butt off, you know, trying to get this property where you want it. And then, like, when it finally does happen that you kill a deer off of it or you kill a turkey, it, it, the success, you know, that part of it is so much more rewarding than, you know, if you just walked out there and, you know, sat on something and, and did, you know, just killed whatever. So I, I enjoy, I enjoy the prep work and putting in the legwork of patterning deer, patterning, you know, trying to figure out turkeys where they're roosting and, you know, all that good stuff. It's, yeah. To me, it's, it's a lot more rewarding for you when you finally take the game. Right. And I feel like all of that leads to more success. Yeah. In my absolutely. Opinion. Yeah. 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 If you put in the legwork, a lot of times you'll do it. There's people that are, that are stupid lucky that just go out there and they can kill giant deer, giant turkeys. Um, I'm going to pick on Chad. He, uh, he's one of those people we say he's got luck, right? And he's got that crazy luck because he can, and he puts in the guy's a great deer hunter, 100%, but he's got luck. Like he can go <laughs> and sit on a piece of property and he sees a deer turd there. He, he's going to kill a buck, you know, he's right. going to walk right back there and crap in the same spot. <laughs> and he's going to kill it. He's just lucky like that. Um, you know, but there's also a lot, a lot of, lot of experience and legwork that goes into that with some of those people. And he's one of those guys. He puts in his time learning his properties and things like that. And uh, he'll, he'll kill big deer. We kill a lot of turkeys every year because we know the properties and we've spent the time out there glassing fields and stuff like that. But again, you know, he sees a deer turd, he'll kill a deer over it. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do, do you have any advice for anybody who's looking into getting into turkey hunting? What would your advice be not to do it? <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. 100%. If you, uh, if you want to start turkey hunting, um, just plan on being broke because it's going to overtake your entire life. Um, during turkey season, um, my wife, She's like, oh, I wish you'd just take a break and you know come home. But I'm like, I can't. I gotta go. It's, it's a sickness, and we gotta, <laughs> right. we gotta kill it's turkeys. An addiction that I have. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, you, you always want to buy stuff. You know, oh, I need to, I need a new turkey vest. I need a new pair of snake boots. I need this. I need to, You know, if you want to know how to become a millionaire, being a hunter, you start out a billionaire. Right. One hundred percent. But no, really and truly. Uh, if you want to start out turkey hunting, you know, spend some time in the woods. You know, public land is a big thing. Um, a lot of people are discouraged by public land because, you know, you know horror stories, people yahoos and things like that. Put in for quota hunts. Uh, find places that, you know, they only have limited access to. Um, and spend the time, you know, doing a little bit of scouting before that, you know, that weekend that you can go out there and hunt starts, you know get on a leash somewhere you know if you have property or go knock on doors you know some of the the best places we have are people that we've knocked on their door and they're like oh yeah sure we don't give a crap go out there and do whatever you want to do you know or you know hey you know i'll give you some deer meat or whatever some you know turkey meat if you let us hunt your place and a lot of people are really receptive of that so don't be afraid to ask um that's that's one of the things you know you just got to get out there and, and try to find a place and then once you do it you know get you some Get you some long beer life mouth calls or a pop call. I'll build <laughs> yeah. you one and um, go to it. You know, it'll be the best thing you ever did. And especially if you have kids, it's a, a great opportunity for them to, to spend time with you. Um, it's definitely, you know, me and my daughter have time to sit there and, you know, we laugh and joke around while we're sitting there and she's reading her little books and stuff like that. Um, we have some good little conversations and stuff. I find out about, you know, what's going on in her life that, you know, when you're just sitting around the house, you don't really get to, to find out. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely worth it. You'll never regret it. So right. get out there and, and find you a place and 
buy some calls and go to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't need much. I mean, you don't really. You, I mean, you need a shotgun or a bow. If you have a bow, you can hunt them with a bow. Well, right? now, I mean, here you can kill them with pretty much anything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They've opened up, you can kill them with rifles, <laughs> which I don't like, but, you know, you can shoot it with a rifle if you wanted to. But, right. You know, to me, the uh, just getting out there, you know, and you can buy a shotgun from Walmart for next to nothing. We don't. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I, I have a three and a half. I shoot a three and a half inch 12 gauge shotgun. Right. Not really something I have to have. It doesn't do any better than 99% of the guns. I've killed a lot of, of turkeys with two and three quarter 12 gauge, you know, first right. shotgun kind of stuff. And, you know, you don't have to have the biggest, best, newest shotgun, you know, best vest and then stuff like that. You know, you need a good pad or a chair to sit your butt in because you're going to be there a while and, uh, you know, something that'll kill them. That's all you really need. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people are running four tens now that That's you can buy craze. for $200. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can buy a cheap gun and uh, get away with it. I mean, that's what we've done for many years, you know. Two and three-quarter, 12-gauge killed a lot of turkeys in my life. You know, I've stepped up to a three-and-a-half just because it was a gun that I got from a family member that was sentimental. And uh, I'm a big boy, and I can shoot it, so <laughs> it doesn't hurt me to shoot it. But, uh, you know, get out there and, you know, buy you a gun and go to it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a great experience. I'm too much of a wuss myself to shoot three and a half. I shot three and a half, and I'm just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got big shoulders, so I can take it. I'm good. Well, I think the first time I ever shot three and a half, uh, I didn't know I was shooting three and a half. I was somebody let me use their shotgun. They're like, oh, here, here you go. I'm like, okay, cool. And I pulled the trigger on that thing, and I was not expecting that three and a half kick. And I was yeah. like, never again, yeah. never again, am I shooting this thing? I mean, I probably if I knew it was three and a half then I probably would have been more prepared for it. But I definitely wasn't prepared for that three and a half that yeah. day, for sure. Yeah. Sighting stuff in, I, I noticed more. But taking game, I never I never pay attention to the recoil. It's so funny. Like, you know, I I shoot my deer rifle. I have a uh, Savage 30-06 Model 110 mm -hmm. that I shoot 180-grain bullet out of, which is, you know, it kicks like a freaking mule. Right. But uh, I, I hate sighting it in every year, you know, shooting it three or four times to make sure it's dead on. But when I'm when I'm deer hunting, I don't even notice it. If I pull that trigger, right. like that's the last thing I'm thinking of is how much it's going to kick me. Um, you know, practicing with all that stuff, you know, you, you get used to it. Uh, that three and a half, it, it slams you like a mule. But I don't I don't pay attention to it when I'm actually pulling it on a turkey. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't have paid attention to it either had yeah. it not like jumped up and hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah, and I really enjoy the the smaller guns now. Like I I've been carrying the little four ten for my daughter, and I'm like, man. I might just get one of these. I mean, it's small enough. I could almost fold that thing up and put it in my turkey vest and walk around with both my hands free. You know? Right. So, like, I might look into that. You know, I know some guys that do some custom, you know, tungsten loads and things like that for their 410s. So, it's something I might look into as well, you know, trying to check that out. There's so much different things you can do. Every, every aspect of hunting, there's something you can do with it that is, you know, not necessarily the hunting part. Right. You know, like uh, I was listening to the the – podcast you have with the muzzle loaders and stuff like that and the uh the cva talking about all that and all the versatility of you know trying different loads and things like that well that's a whole nother realm of hunting that isn't even has to do with killing an animal it's right. you know the gun part of it is is a whole hobby in itself that you can take on so like shotguns you know you can do a lot with different loads of shotguns you know i've got a shotgun reloader that i could start playing with uh you know rounds and things figuring that stuff out that would be totally something separate that is a new hobby within the turkey hunting hobby right so it, it opens up a lot of avenues for a lot of different things which is really great 
Yeah, and like you said, it, it's a it's not a season long endeavor. It's just a year round yeah, it's endeavor. A, it's, a, it's a hobby. It's something that you can get into. Kind of like the the turkey call thing. Like that's a, it was a hobby. You know, we kind of started this as a you know to see how it goes, and you know if it pays for us to do our thing, you know, great. It pays for our hobby. Um, but then it, in itself, it's turned into a something that <laughs> I enjoy. I enjoy going out there and turning calls and strikers and stuff like that. You know, playing with different woods and 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 it's it's moved into other things like turning bowls and stuff like that. You know, different different things so you know the hunting world has it's so much more than hunting and people don't i don't think a lot of your more liberal people understand that that right oh yeah it's all about killing the animal stuff no it's really there's there's so much more involved in it that you don't even realize until you start doing it and you sit back and you think like wow i would have never done that if i hadn't started just hunting right you know i got more involved in something else because of hunting so it's really, it's really awesome thing, you know, to, to get started in. And I, I've had several of the guys, you know, a lot of the guys from, from work that uh, have never deer hunted before. They didn't kill their first deer until, you know, they were in their, you know, late 20s, mid 30s, you know. And I was the guy that took them hunting, you know. Right. Rutledge. Yeah. Killing some giant deer. Killed one of the biggest deer that I've seen killed in Florida this year. Uh, smoked it. First time he ever went deer hunting was with me when he got hired, and uh, he shot a doe, and he could barely stand it. You know, <laughs> it made him sick. He was like, "Oh man, this is the greatest thing ever!" You right. know, I'm so like jacked up. I'm gonna throw up. I don't know what to do. I'm like, sit there and shoot another one if it comes out. <laughs> right. Know? So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 awesome, man. He's you know, hunting is is one of the greatest things you can do, and, and teaching people and showing people and getting them experience. You know doing that kind of stuff it opens up their their eyes to doing a whole lot more things than they ever thought possible so uh, i say anybody that wants to start hunting go for it it doesn't doesn't take a lot and you'll get so much out of it right yeah it definitely the the investment at the beginning is not a lot but then like you said eventually eventually your billionaire status will make you a millionaire it'll break you yeah you you know (laughs) it it will definitely break you but that's that's only if you let it um yeah, no doubt. Yeah, there, there's plenty of people that go out there because of you going. now. Listen to you guys and your saddle hunting stuff. Right, I've like, oh, you know what? So here's something new I'm gonna do. <laughs> right. These guys are doing it. It sounds like a lot of fun. I, you know, I'm a, a rope tech guy. You know, it works. So like, mm-hmm. oh, I know ropes and stuff like that. I can tie knots. Why not climb this tree and and hang off of it by a rope? It sounds like a great plan. I hang off the side of buildings for fun. Right. So. Yeah, that's another new endeavor within all of the other deer hunting that is like, oh, crap. You know, I've bought lone wolf tree stands and, you know, climbers and all kinds of stuff. It's like, oh, great. Now i got to buy the saddle stuff. Right. Yeah, so, oh, luckily, yeah. Luckily, this year was uh, I'm going to make my own stuff. So, we've we've yeah kind of gotten to, to save a little bit of money there. I've only got about $60 in my whole setup. So, other than buying a $100 set of sticks that I'm like now, like, eh, I'm probably going to do the, uh, the the rope climb method instead of using sticks. <laughs> right. Know? So, Oh, yeah. There's the there's a bunch of Facebook pages out there, like Run and Gun, mm-hmm. Whitetail, all that stuff. And you're just like, man. And they're always posting their stuff. And you're like, oh, man, that, that's cool. Maybe yep. I, I think I need to buy that. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Maybe I should try that. So, there, yeah. There, and there's, like I said, it's just a, such a big community. And you get yeah. involved with these groups. I mean, uh, it's limitless what you can do yeah, with hunting. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. You know, you can you can start out doing one thing and you're by the end of it, you're doing something totally different you never thought you'd do before. Uh, the saddle hunting thing, I would have never thought about <laughs> that. But then, it, like, now it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense, and I can't wait to put it into to use this year hunting here. But also, like, we go to Ohio. Me and Chad and Travis go to Ohio every year, and uh, <laughs> most of the places we hunt up there is finding a straight tree 
to right. climb, you know, because we're going up there for a couple of days. Like, we don't have set stuff. Like, nobody wants to go set a lock on up every time they go. So, we'll try and, you know, take the climbers up there and climb. Well, that gets old. Right. Trying to find a tree in the dark to climb. And, you know, setting up lock-ons and stuff is a nightmare when you're, you know, every time you got to set it up, take it down, set it up, take it down. Right. And we've done that enough. You know, me and, me and Chad have hunted Illinois, you know, filming. And uh, every time we hunted for a week, we – carried in and out our stuff every time to a new location with camera equipment. And it's like, dude, I'm over setting up lock-ons <laughs> for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> you know? So it, oh, yeah. it's, it's one of those things like now, Hey man, there's a tree big enough for me to, to kind of just wrap my arm around. I can, I can climb this thing. You know, it'd be, it'd be a lot more fun, I think. So hopefully that's going to open up new possibilities of getting in places that we didn't ever have access to before, you know, yeah. seeing different woods. We like, we totally rode off because, well, there's not a straight tree. You know, so, or, oh, there's a bunch of uh, blowdown over here. And, you know, there's one tree on it, but it's the crookedest tree you've ever seen in your life. But the deer running through there like crazy. Well, right. now we can go try that out and see if we can get up in it. So I, I'm I'm excited for that. So, yeah, there's, like I said, it's limitless what you can get into yeah. in, in the hunting world. So why don't, why don't you tell us one of the stories from your success this year? So one that's really cool to me and it was probably my my favorite for this year um is uh actually my my cousin we uh went out he's in his 40s he's uh my my best hunting buddy like we, right. we most of our properties that we have that are our private properties that we you know either hunt on from other people that let us hunt there that we own um he's my guy we we hunt together all the time and uh he's never killed a turkey He's right. just, you know, never, never had the opportunity, never got really into it. And he's been begging me, you know, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm like, Hey man, just, you want to go? Let's, let's roll out there and we'll go. So, um, we went out there and it was, it ruined him, I think, because it was the perfect hunt. I mean, one little hiccup in the whole thing. And, uh, that was even cool too. But, uh, we, we got out there early in the morning and, um, he's always slow. So like we, I got to his house and picked him up. He lives literally right across the street from me, but I, I'm like, let's get in the truck. Let's go. He's scrambling to find things. I had to loan him a vest. We get, we get all that <laughs> stuff, you know, straightened out. We get in the truck, we get rolling and uh, we get there. And as soon as we open the door of the truck, I hear a bird goblin. I'm like, we got to get in the woods. He's like, what? I'm like, get your crap. Let's go. We got birds <laughs> goblin right here. We got to get in these woods. Right. So we get out there get set up I, you know and I actually put some decoys out it was it was one of the first mornings I was like let's let's roll these decoys and see what happens and um we get out there and we get set up and uh birds are hammering in the trees and uh there's there's two of them I can hear and they're probably about 100 150 yards away from us where we get set up and um I'm like cool let's 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 just sit here we'll do a couple of you know tree yelps and things like that and in a minute I'll do a fly down well, uh, the birds kind of got quiet, and I didn't hear anything for a little bit. I was like, let me try and locate, you know, just see what happens and uh, see if we can get them gobbling, you know, on the roost again. So I crow called, and bam, they hammered. And then 70 yards from us, two more in the tree seven, that had not made a peep the whole time. I don't even know if they saw us, like, setting up decoys or whatever. They start hammering. So we got four birds just screaming at us mm-hmm. on the roost. And um, so we're sitting there, and then finally we hear them fly down. I do a fly down, you know beating my hat against the tree and everything and uh birds pitch down and they're out there and they're just gobbling the two groups of two and uh i mean it's picture perfect out there you and we can see them out there well while they're out there there's a doe comes walking by so this is one of our deer hunting spots and it's littered with deer but she comes walking by probably about 60 yards out in front of us and loops around 
And she walks up to within 20 yards and is just standing there staring at us, not stomping her foot, doesn't have her, you know, not picking her head up, picking her head, down, you know, taking it down, just just sitting there looking. Like, what are these bumps on this log right here? Right. All camouflaged out. And uh, finally the birds start working their way in, and they get up to about 35, 40 yards. And I'm like, Wayne, we got to pick our guns up. <laughs> this deer's <laughs> staring at us. We got, we got to pick our guns up. And I was like, you know, we pick them up. You're on the left, I'm on the right. So whatever bird's left, you take on the count of three. Like one, two, actual three. Right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's – Yeah, you always have the person fun. shoots like, oh, one, one two, two, and then <laughs> shoot. No, it's one, two, three, shoot. Right. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, we got that set, settled out, and uh, I'm like, okay, we got to pick our guns up. So I'm like, all right, pick it up. As soon as we pick it up, doe blows, tears out of there, runs right through the, the turkeys, all four of them. I'm like, crap, man, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, let's just sit here another minute. So I start calling again. And uh, next thing you know, they just start coming back in. They're they're standing out there about sixty yards in front of us, strutting their butts off and gobbling. Like they'd come out of strut and gobble, and it looked like their heads were slapping together. I mean, these four birds are just hammering all at the same time, and it's like, man, this is this is awesome. And they're strutting, and uh, finally they start working their way back in there. And I, was, all right, you're on the left, I'm on the right. You know, one, two, three. I'm like, pick your gun up. So he gets his gun picked up. I'm like, all right, one two, three, I mean, just one shot is what it sounded like. I right. mean, it was timed perfectly. Next thing, boom, two birds are just laying there flopping. We jump up and run over there, you know, typical, you know, two dudes hunting in the <laughs> woods, turkey hunting, killing oh, yeah. We're slapping hands and high-fiving, you know, it's 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 great. And uh, I'm like, dude, this is amazing, you know. He's like, I've never killed one of these before. It's the coolest thing. I'm like, this is the best hunt to ever go on. You'll never <laughs> right. do this again. Like, right. You get, you get these birds that are just hammering right on top of you and to have them coming in that close and see all the action that they're doing and then get busted out of there and then come right back to you. You know, it's like, that's picture perfect. You know, you're never going to have that happen to you again. 99.99% <laughs> right. of the time, if they get busted out of there, they ain't coming back. And right. They come right back to us. I'm like, this is great. And we doubled up. First time he's ever sat in the woods like that to kill a turkey, we double up. And, you know, it, these birds are just cooperating, and it was it was beautiful. So it was a great time. It was really great that I got to, to share that with him. Um, like I say, he's, he's one of my best buddies. He's, you know, cousin by marriage kind of thing, but, right. you know, one of my best hunting buddies. And uh, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's the, killed some slammer deer. Too. Oh yeah, man. He's he's the other he's the other half of Chad with the uh, the luck <laughs> thing. He uh he just goes and sits like <laughs> so he killed a really good one this year and uh he wasn't even going to go hunting that day. I actually ended up thinking I had to go work. So he uh he was supposed to be going dog hunting with his buddies. Well, they ended up like, "Oh, no, you know, so and so is not feeling good. They're not going to go." So, you know, we're not going to go dog hunt. And uh, he's like, okay, well, I'm just bored. I'm going to go sit in the woods. We've never seen this deer on camera at daylight. He's always been like a 2 o'clock in the morning kind of thing for right. a brief second. He goes in there on a whim, just, uh, I'm going to mosey into the stand, and bam, here comes this deer. Well, he shoots at it three times. With <laughs> finally kills it. He's like, I don't know if I hit it the first time or not. It didn't move, so I just kept shooting at it. Right. I'm like, okay. So he kills this giant. Well, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you have the best luck in the world. I've been sitting here for days and days, and I'd finally killed a buck. And uh, it, it wasn't a giant, but, I mean, he was a decent deer. But uh, he just kills this absolute freaking Florida old stud right and uh, he's just on a whim wasn't even gonna go hunting that day he's like i just feel like going and sitting in the woods so oh, here yeah. i am and he kills a giant you know he, he's done that to me a bunch we've had a lot of properties 
where uh, he'll he'll go out there and he's like, oh, man, I'm just, you know, going to go sit and, you know, maybe I'll see a couple does or something. I just want to be in the woods. And then, bam, here comes a freaking giant. It's like, <laughs> right. dude. Or I'll be like, hey, I saw him yesterday. You know, I couldn't get a shot on it. Like, that's happened to me a couple times. I had I had a stud come in there and uh, I couldn't get a shot. It's like, there's no way to get a shot on this deer. And uh, the next morning it comes back and it broadsides him at 15 yards. Like, you got Like, I – I've done everything in the world. I've sat here for days and days and days, and I can't. I, the right. one day I go to work, he comes in there and he'll sit and it'll broadside right next to him. Oh yeah, you know uh, he killed one that was, you know, for Florida's a absolute giant, you know, almost you know 150 plus inch deer. So, right. I mean, a absolute freak. And um, I'd actually shot at this deer probably a week or so prior, and uh, I had my arrow explode on me. Lucky it didn't go through my arm. Um, oh wow yeah i got lucky with that one but uh my arrow exploded and uh as i as i as i shot and uh the deer run off and he was standing there 15 yards broadside at me i'm like dang, dang it man that's the one chance we're never going to see this deer again and uh of course you know a couple of days later wayne goes in there and sits down and bam here he comes shows up broadside 15 yards from him he's like man you gotta be kidding this guy yeah you know so oh well he's got that luck you know yeah, man. good for him you know but the, the good thing is is that you know which i i can't complain i killed you know, some pretty good deer out there with them and stuff in all these places. And uh, so I, I'll never, never be able to complain about that. But it's just funny, like, you know, <laughs> you go out there and you'll be after this one particular deer and won't see it. And then he'll go sit down and, you know, bam, it comes in. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't hunt with the same size arrows half the time, you know. This is mismatched <laughs> together. You know, he's sitting there spitting the back out of the tree stand. Like, like if I make a wrong move, this deer sees me from 10 miles away. He's literally sitting there like a train wreck and it, right. he's got that luck. It comes together, yep. man. It's, it's, it's great. I love, I, you know, I love it when he kills him too. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. And he's a great dude. Oh, absolutely. As well. Yeah. So yeah. So it yeah. works out. Yep. So cool. Well, let me, uh, Walter always asks a question to guests that we have and it would be, what would you go tell your early Turkey hunting self? What piece of advice would you give yourself? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, don't stress about it. You know, that's the biggest thing, you know, don't, don't stress early on turkey hunting, you know, it was like, Oh man, we got to get a turkey. We got to get a turkey. And, uh, you know, you limit out early kind of thing. Like, don't stress about it. There's, you know, a couple months to the season, you know, enjoy what you're doing and have fun with it. Don't, don't worry about trying to get a turkey every time, you know, enjoy that. You know, like I said, me and Chad and Travis hunt together a lot. And, uh, that's one of my favorite parts about it. All right, well, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, um, you can check us out at uh, www.longbeardlife.com. Um, we got Instagram, Facebook. We have a website, obviously, with that. And uh, you can check us out there. Check us out on social media. You know, I, I run that. I'm pretty much on top of it all the time. So you can send questions, and uh, I can help you out with anything that, you know, is within my wheelhouse. If not, I can always ask someone else who knows more than me. Um, so, yeah. We're pretty accessible. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, to everybody else out there, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. Yes, sir. Thank you. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. In wild country. 
rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.